Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, and dearly love children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. God's word for us this morning. So when my mom died in 1998, the four of us kids were left to, to go through all of the boxes. There were five of us initially, but my sister died uh, of a heart attack at age 51, so she didn't make it to, to that point. But, so we're going through boxes of stuff, and, and if you've ever both had the privilege and, and the struggle of doing that, it's an interesting process. Yeah, it was, it was kind of amazing to find my third grade homework in a box. And that, I mean, that's just kind of, okay, Mom, my third grade homework. Oh, be that baseball card. Wasn't worth anything, but she kind of tucked away in a box. Or stamps that occasionally I had, at some point in my youth, I was interested in collecting stamps. So I don't know uh, what that was about. It was fun, it was interesting, and it was all kind of a little bit strange at the same time. I don't know why my mom kept some of the things that she kept. But I think most of us, and certainly for me, I don't know why I keep some of the stuff that I keep. It's oil Dorado kind of in my hometown, Taft, California. What that is, every five years we have an event called Oil Dorado, and it's there. All the guys are required to grow beers as best you can. Maybe I'm having a, a flashback so I'm trying to grow beard. I, I don't know. But that, that part of it is, is to grow beard. It's a big deal. Taft is an oil field town and, and, and so there's a lot of festivities, a lot of stuff going on. And, and if you don't grow a beard, you can be arrested. <laughs> Not by the police, but by the police. The ones with the cart that goes behind the car and they haul you all through town and and, and to show that you, you've got no beard and, and someone has to bail you out or else you just ride around all day long. Now all the money goes to charity, obviously. But they're serious about this growing beard, even a bad beard. So, so now if you choose not to, and it's actually to raise money, so you can buy a smooth puss badge if you've got no guts. <laughs> but most people try to grow a beard. And, and so that's part of that process. Now they also have a softball tournament. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. I used to play a lot of sports, and and um, it's an every five-year softball tournament. It's a big deal for a lot of a lot of us coming in from a lot of different places. So we won. Uh, I think it was 1985. We won that tournament, and uh, I still have a backpack somewhere in my basement. And I don't really. I I have had both hips replaced. You know, and if you look at that bat bag, there's probably a couple of bats and a glove that needs oiling desperately. And, and who knows what else? But that part of my stuff is down in my basement. And I don't know exactly why I keep it. So we find interesting things when we begin to look for them. I found that with my mom. And if you look in our basement, we find it in, in our basement. That's true when we open a 
Lance last week. And I have to tell you how, how much that touched me, that y'all took the time to, to give cards and, and to celebrate you know, with me. That, that was just very cool. I, mean, I, I, I don't know how to, how to describe that. But this finding things is also true when we open up scriptures, why we push you and push you to open up the Bible to read scripture. And as you know, the Bible contains letters. Some of the things that I found in Mom's stuff, there were letters to us. The Bible contains letters that are written to us. I've heard it said that we can read the Bible two ways. We can read it like a newspaper or we can read it like a love letter. You see, the news of the world hardens us, and we stand apart from it, and that can be how we read the Bible. A love letter calls us into relationship. It calls us nearer. And that's the spirit of Paul's letter to the Ephesians about relationship. They call us to a, a, a way of life that's important for us to grab hold of. It asks the question but this morning, do our words build others up? Are they great still, or are they judgmental? Does it vary according to who's going to receive those words? Do I treat people differently? It's clear we're to put away an old life, and we're to take on a new life. We're challenged to imitate God, to live in love, remembering that Christ loved us and gave himself for us. That enables us to love others and give ourselves for them. And Paul speaks in this passage about gentleness. Gentleness is an interesting word. It's actually translated a couple different ways. It's translated in some Bibles as tenderness and others as meekness. But one of the best meanings for me is when you look at gentleness as, as having a teachable spirit. And this morning is about teachable moments because we have those in our life. When something happens, we can either learn from it or not. It's important for us to embrace it because it can be a gift for us. So life not hardened like that baseball club is undoubtedly right now unusable. Gentleness is a life still being shaped and molded like clay in the hands of a potter. Anybody in here ever made something out of clay? Come on, man. We all gave it a shot, right? No matter how hard you try, no matter how, or how good you are, your creation is going to have a lot. We, we, we want it to be as good as it can be. We want to strive for perfection. We just don't seem to achieve it. But the interesting thing, when it comes to things like pottery and things like life, those flaws often create the indelible image or the unique creation that makes it special. Makes that creation special. One of the things that Mom kept, and I'm going to use this uh, this term loosely, is it was a it was a clay whale. Now I, I don't know when I made this, but when I saw it, it was like this uh, uh, this, this little black kind of blob. It did have a tail, I, you know. You can see that, and I had cut kind of a mouth in it, but to call it a whale was doing, you know, giving me a lot more credit than, yeah, I knew it was a whale because I made it, you know, she kept that. It wasn't because it was a beautiful 
piece of pottery, right? It had meaning beyond what you could see. It was beautiful to her because of the flaws. It's because of those flaws, but because of where it came from. And the better we get at embracing those beautiful flaws in our own lives, did you know you have beautiful flaws in your life? You are uniquely beautiful. And the better we get at embracing those beautiful flaws in our life, the easier it will become to embrace the beautiful flaws in the lives of others. And that's when we're living the way we're designed to live. That's when we understand that we are to both give and receive grace and we're able to do it. And this comes most powerfully from the, when the Holy Spirit is in our lives, our hearts, and allows us to be different than we were before. One sign that the Holy Spirit's growing in our lives is that basic quality of gentleness, that basic quality of humility, that teachable spirit is present. We have something to learn, and we know we have something to learn. We're not arrogant. We, we understand that, look, I've got a lot to learn. The older you get, for, for our young folks, I, I hate to tell you, but the older you get, the, the dumber you're going to become because there's so much more to learn. And, and we, we get to this place where we know, we know, we know, we know, we know it all, and then we go, oh, I don't know very much. <laughs> As we get older, and experience teaches us that there are so many different ways and different aspects of life. And, and that's the, when we can embrace that in one another, then you bring you to the table, and I bring me to the table, and the body of Christ becomes this spectacular, this beautiful gift for us in the church, but for those outside the walls as well. It's amazing. We become open to receiving and to find that God is present and living in our lives. And that's also consistent with the very nature of who God is. God is a God of illustration. The primary things that are in your, your tear-off this week have to do with Old Testament prophets and the way that God uses them. We don't have time to go into all that this morning. But, but if you'll read those passages, it's going to tell you about Isaiah. Did you know that Isaiah walked around naked for three years? There's a reason God had him do that. So read Isaiah 20. Hosea married a prostitute. God commanded the prophet Hosea to marry a prostitute to illustrate that Israel was unfaithful. And that's in there. Jeremiah didn't have any kids, and barrenness back then was seen as a curse. And it was to illustrate what was going on for Israel. Jeremiah also took a pot, speaking of potters, took a pot, took it down to the gate, proclaimed judgment on the people, smashed the pot, and proclaimed judgment again. God has always been a God of active illustration. It's not just words. It's more than words. It's actions. That's why what we say is not the primary thing when it comes to if we're living out this call in this Christian life. What are we doing? It's not where our salvation is. Please don't disappear. Our salvation is grace and faith. We are not justified by anything that we do. But when God is in our heart, what we do changes. And then the world sees that we are no longer who we were. And then God is in the midst of that. And that's how lives get changed 
outside the church simply because we be who we are. God's not asking you to be me or me to be you. Be who you are for Jesus. And let him do what he's going to do with that. But this is not the place where that happens primarily. It happens here sometimes. But it primarily will happen in your home, at your workplace, in your school, in the place at the football game, how you act at the football game, how you act at all the place at the grocery store, when the guy cuts you off and contract it. If you chase him for five miles, oh, they told you that I did that. Uh, it's been a few years ago. See, God wants to show us. He wants us to understand. So when you think about that when it comes to Jesus, God didn't just tell us. He sent Jesus to us. The ultimate. Here's how to do this. Here's how to live life. He came to us in humility. The God of all became a human being. Very humble act. Became vulnerable. Was not vulnerable as God, right? Became vulnerable as a human being. And he was, that was to show us. Not to speak to us. He talked through the prophets and the people didn't get it. He came to show us who he was and is. And when we recognize that, it can give us a more powerful picture, hopefully, than we've ever seen before. But we have to be willing to open ourselves up to a way of life and the style of life, the way that Jesus did. It's about relationships. And those of us who've been in a relationship of any relationship of love knows that, that it will require that we open ourselves up to things that are not always comfortable. If you want to have a healthy relationship, you have to get vulnerable. And that means that you're going to experience love and joy and pain and suffering and delight and laughter and despair and tears because that's what life is filled with. And that's what happens for us if we're willing to enter into relationships. Too many of us, of us go, well, I don't want it. I don't want that. I don't want any of that. I'm going to keep myself safe. Jesus didn't keep himself safe. He came here. Vulnerable and bankrupt. A lot of us say, I don't want God. I don't want anything. Good. I have a relationship with I can figure life out on my own. That's another way that people protect themselves from what could be. Now, God could have overpowered us. I mean, he is omnipotent on and all-knowing, all-powerful. He could have just said, oh, fine, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. But it is rare that God speaks in thunder and lightning. It is common that God speaks in a still, small voice. He doesn't yell at us much. A little bit. He didn't yell at us two by four a couple times. I needed it. God wants to talk about and meekness and gentleness and being quiet. It's why one of the challenges we face in our society today is we're so busy and so active that we, every, every moment of our daily life is filled with something and it's edging God out. Do you know that? What are the three letters of edging God out? First three letters? Edging is E, God, G, out. What does that start? 
When we live a life of ego, we edge God out, and it becomes about us. I wrote that down. That was a good one. <laughs> the power of God is not and vulnerability. And I hope that you hear that the core of the gospel. Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those who are called both Jews and Gentiles, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom chapter 1, 23, 24, but, but Paul didn't end there. He went on in 25 and, and, and said, God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. We have a God who is smarter than us and stronger than us. And, and it's a gentle power. It's a gentle power. We're called to, to be engaged with one another in, 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 a, in a way of life that allows us to, to, to meet each other Deeper than the surface. That's why. That's why I'm not a big fan of, of the, you know, the, the fire and brimstone. And I'm going to scare you into believing. I don't think that we're supposed to become disciples for a moment. I think that we're supposed to become disciples for a lifetime. And and that disciple for a moment philosophy it doesn't last. And it doesn't teach the truth. And the truth is that God's call on us means that we are going to have to do things differently. Now, I can say yes in a moment. I don't want to go to hell. Yes, I believe in Jesus. We keep living our life the same way. No, that is not it. Say yes to Jesus. And then engage in relationship with other believers. And do the things that we're talking about. We're talking about discipleship and you will become a man or a woman of God beyond what you could ever imagine. Because this teachable spirit allows God love and the reality of that to come into our lives and to transform us. Now I understand that change is difficult. Most of us don't like change. We like things to be how we like them to be. But we're not called to that. A lot of us like some of the old life stuff. We don't want to let go of some of that stuff. Some of us like control. I like to, to be the one who's in control. I like to have notoriety and I, I like to, to, to be able to do the things I want to do. I don't want to appear weak. I don't, I don't want to, to let go of that grudge or that bitterness or that anger or that resentment or that unforgiveness. I want to hang on to those things because I deserve it. I have a right. Disciples these dreams for these two guys who didn't get out of prison and forget about it. 
for this regular year. And then, he, then he's raised up. Now, in the midst of all of those things, somehow Joseph didn't get disappointed. Because I sure, I sure would have, you know, what am I doing in prison? God used all of those things to save the entire nation and in fact, to create a nation that was going to go out with Moses. Joseph went through those things. And scripture tells us clearly, sometimes we're not sure. This time we are. God arranged all that. God ordained all that. That was all part of God's plan. So sometimes we don't like what's going on, so we get disappointed in God. God's a big God, big hand. Just don't run away. Okay. Keep seeking. Keep trusting it. It'll be okay. When we get into that place where it's all about us, we, we maybe need to open a window and then have that wind kind of run in here and rush over us and through us. It gives us a, 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 a new spirit and a new way of understanding. Because there's power. There's power to help us in surrendering. This is what we're talking about. Surrendering our lives to Christ. This is a Methodist prayer. I am no longer my own divine, perhaps you've heard. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doings. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things, let me have. No thanks. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. That's what God asks you. Simply to trust that he's God and that he's going to take us to his place. I am no longer my own but thine. And that surrender, that gentleness, that understanding, the teachable spirit, and when that spirit is growing in our lives, we care less and less about the world's concepts of success or the world's concept of significance. Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about us being living sacrifices. This is what it means. We let go of all the stuff that tries to take us away to trust God regardless of what it might look like or feel like to us that he has us and he's got us living in this place. We have been crucified with Christ as followers. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And that's what a teachable spirit is. That's why the, the yes for a moment stuff doesn't work, because this is deeper than that. This is a lifetime of seeking God. It's a lifetime of discipleship. Why we're trying so hard now to so, okay, what do we mean by being a disciple? And so, that's, so we've identified those six things. Pray every day. Pray every day. Worship weekly. Open your Bible. You got a smartphone? Download version. Read scripture every day. Then have to be a multiple chapters, read some scripture. It can be a verse. I don't care. Let God's word get her in. Be engaged in service in and outside the walls of the church. Be involved in spiritual relationships. Relationships with one another that are growing 
and helping you become who God has called you to be and give of your time, your talent, and your resources. While that includes money, it is actually not primarily money. Each of you has been given spiritual gifts that the body of Christ needs. So we need those. One of the things that I believe is that it will become teachable, it will transform us. And I hope that for us, I pray for that for us. This was a banner that was put together how long ago? No? Four or five years. Four or five years ago. The mission of Old Springs United Methodist Church is actually the mission of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ in the transformation of the world. That's our mission as a denomination, to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Because disciples make disciples. Disciples are a transforming agent that God uses. So some people have signed us, and I don't know exactly the story, but uh, what I would like to do this morning, and I'm going to continue to invite people to do this, there are some pens up here, you'll see a pen uh, on, the, on the top right here, there's another one down here. If you are willing, those six marks of discipleship, if you want to know what they are, you can look on the tear-off that you have. If this is something that you're willing to covenant together before God and with one another to do, then I would encourage you during the last song that we're going to say to come and write your name on it. But please hear me. If you're willing to covenant with God and with one another, Please come and sign it. If you're not willing to do that, nobody's going to look down on you. I don't want folks to think that signing the banner does something special just by signing it. It's an outward sign of what I hope becomes an inward and spiritual work. So I encourage you to, if you're willing to join together as a body of believers and to engage in this process of discipleship. Then during, it'll be up here for a while, we'll keep the pins out for a while. And if you need to think about that, that's okay too. But I'm talking about a serious word here, covenant. Before God. This means that you are going to pray daily, you're going to read scripture daily. It means you're going to come, if you're in town, you're in worship. And if you're out of town, you're in some form of worship. It means that you're going to be in service in and outside the walls. It means that that you're you're going to give of your time, your talent, your resources, spiritual relationships. I mean, you're going to find somebody to work with, a mentor or, or something along those lines. So, so as we sing the last song, Robert Sands will come. If you're willing to do so, I know some of you have signed it. If, if you wouldn't mind, you know, have to sign again, but maybe make an underline under it or, or something along those lines if you've already signed it. And again. This, I really want to emphasize, this is not about just signing a banner. This is, this is the covenant that we're making with one another and with God. 